Hello there. This is Benny, and this is Kyle, and you're listening to the Doctor's Watcher, the only episode of Doctor Who where I listen to a podcast and tell you about it. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> you know what we meant. Um, yeah. So, uh, hey, Kyle. Um, how's it going? I am doing well, Benny. Cool. Um, so, for the the sake of our listeners, we should explain that yesterday, um, my partner and I actually went and visited Kyle um, at his new home, which we hadn't seen before. Kyle and his partner, and we had some other friends over. Um, I should say you guys had some other friends over because you're the ones who were hosting. <laughs> um, it was the first time I had had in-person hangouts with friends since, you know, since this all began. Indeed. So, it was, um, it was a quite the, uh, quite the momentous occasion. Yes. And I think, I think everyone seemed to have a good time. Uh, I know I did. <laughs> uh, I, I know I did as well. So as far as I can tell, everyone's having a pretty good time. But, but um, yeah, there were, what, I think seven of us total that, yeah. you know, were all fully vaccinated and all not wearing masks and all like within <laughs> close proximity to each other for like yes. a few hours. It was, yes, it was we actually amazing. hugged. It, we did. <laughs> I, it's, it's been a while since I've hugged anyone other than my partner. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> so yeah, that that was quite the occasion. And uh, just to put this in context, we are recording this in mid June. Uh, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. You, the listeners, are listening to it in September, most likely. But wow. but we're recording yeah. in June. We, we got ourselves a pretty good, um, pretty good buffer there. Um, <laughs> Recording buffer, at least. My editing buffer is a bit behind. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, st- you still have a buffer. Um, yeah, that's true. I think I think we're doing okay. Um, so yeah, and then so the the uh, the other thing um, that I don't know if I've mentioned on the Doctor's Watcher yet. Although I think that uh, if you follow the Twitter, then you saw that the official Doctor's Watcher. Twitter account retweeted my tweet about it. Um, I we got a cat. Uh, so a, a few weeks ago, um, we we got a cat. He's a very shy, sort of skittish young lad. Um, his name is Beans. He's a black cat. He's he's amazing. He's the best cat ever. But he he is quite quite shy, easily scared, easily startled, and so. That's been both a source of joy and love and delight and also endless anxiety on our <laughs> part. It's like, is he eating? Is he drinking? Is he uh-huh. And this is, is your your first cat, basically, right? So, um, Yeah, I mean, you know, I, we had cats growing up. Uh, my family did. Um, but I've never had a cat of my own, I guess. And then right. yeah, my partner and I have never had a cat or any pets together, really. Um, so yeah, I have seen a few photos that, that Benny and his partner say are photos of Bean, but what they actually look like is just sort of an, a black blob in the shape of a cat. 
yes. with no defining features other than two <laughs> eyes and two little like fur tufts in the ears. He's he's a cryptid. Indeed. <laughs> uh, we love him. We love him. Um, yeah. So that's that's also been going on with me. Um, how about you, Kyle? Um. Yeah, Matilda is is over on on her stand about three feet to the left of where I'm recording right now. Yeah, I actually got to see Matilda um, when I went and visited, which is not something that ever happened when I would go visit to record the Doctor's Watcher at Kyle's old place. Um, she would always be long. Well, maybe I would catch like the tip of her tail disappearing around the corner mm-hmm. or something. But yeah, she actually kind of briefly sat and, and watched us for a bit before getting up and, and you know, taking her leave of us, but, but I did get to see her. Yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure why, but she's gotten rather somewhat more brave in the past year. <laughs> oh. She's been through some stuff that so maybe she feels like can't possibly get any worse. Yeah, she's, she, she's a tough cookie. She She'll, can take it. Exactly. Well, shall we get down to business? Yeah, speaking of tough cookies, uh, <laughs> let's, let's check in on our on our doctor's watcher, you know, party. So this is, of course, the fifth episode of season two. Mm-hmm. And as we heard from the titles at the end of the fourth episode, this is the Daleks. <laughs> well, you're going to ask me what the uh, um, cliff dangler was. Um, and I think that was it. <laughs> uh, the, the cliff dangler was, I, I believe we said it was a, motherfucking Dalek. And and yeah, I remember um saying I would feel so ashamed if I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> um but but yeah, it was a Dalek specifically coming out of the water. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ian and the Doctor have been surrounded by Robomen and are just about to jump into the river to try to swim away when a Dalek comes out of the river. Yeah. Yep. And Good stuff. Yeah, Ian and the Doctor are both like, well, fuck, I guess we're not going to swim away then. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And yeah, this Dalek rolls on up to the Robomen and it starts asking them, like, why there are humans so close to the river. And one of the Robomen is like, no explanation. And uh, do we know that these are called Robomen at this point? You know, I think I think that was mentioned in the previous episode. I'm not positive, they're not, though. They're not actually robots. Right? Yeah. They're just people with these, like, collars on. Right, yeah. They're wearing, like, these collars and, like, head braces, neck collars mm-hmm. and head braces. They might not have been named yet. They might not be named until... Like in the actual show dialogue until this episode, I'm not sure. Interesting, because like there's a there's like Cybermen, right? Right. Doctor Who, which we haven't ever met yet. 
Right. And now I'm wondering if uh, Robomen are, are related to Cybermen, but I guess we'll we'll have to see, and maybe we'll be waiting for a while. Uh-huh. Ian is a little bit confused. He wonders, like, you know, what the fuck Daleks are doing on Earth. But the Doctor kind of ignores this question for now and just tells the Daleks to let them go. And the DM is like, yeah, roll persuasion. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case you can talk them into it. Uh Uh-huh. But, of course, it's a very high DC, and the Doctor doesn't roll high enough. And the Dalek says, We do not release prisoners. We are the masters of the Earth. Obey us or die. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, getting right into it. Man, if uh, if ringtones were still a thing, I would make that my ringtone. <laughs> the doctor turns to Ian and he's like, you know, we should probably like outsmart them or something. But yeah, yeah, you know, that, that would be the uh, the doctor's uh, <laughs> strategy. Seems like a good plan. But the Dalek is like, fuck off. I can totally hear you. <laughs> Uh, it's it's the old um, trouble of when you're role-playing a character with a very high intelligence stat, <laughs> and yet you, the player, sometimes just try something that maybe maybe you could have thought out a little better. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dalek says, I want you. Resistance is useless. Whoa, nice. I dig it. Yeah. Um. Did they use that phrase before? I seem to remember us talking about it. I think so, yeah. I think that nice. that phrase was used in the first season. What a good catchphrase. So it informs Ian and the Doctor that the Daleks have already conquered Earth. Excellent. And it orders the Robomen to take them away, which they do. And the Dalek rolls off with the Robomen repeating to itself, We are the bastards of Earth. We are the bastards of Earth. We are the bastards of Earth. Like, over and over and over. As if I it's... mean, if I had conquered Earth, I would just go around <laughs> saying, We are the masters of Earth. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, in the Resistance base, a radio is playing a broadcast from a Dalek saying that anyone who surrenders will live. And to do that, just head on out into the middle of the street and obey orders. This feels very um, Half-Life 2 to me. Yeah, yeah, it did definitely (laughs) feel like City 17. Yes. Dortman, who we met in the last previous episode, of course, He seems to be one of the leaders of the resistance. He scoffs at the idea of obeying motorized dustbins, which honestly I thought was pretty racist. And plus they've conquered your planet. So clearly these guys have got something going on for them. Or you guys just are that much worse (laughs) either way it's not like uh i don't think now it's a good time to be throwing stones Uh but you know i figured you know sure daleks are evil but 
it's not the fact that they're weird tentacly creatures inside of a motorized shell that makes them evil, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's true. For all we know, there could be perfectly friendly Daleks. We just haven't or other yet. motorized dustbins, right? Who are not Daleks and are are perfectly friendly. So a resistance woman named Jenny takes a look at Susan's ankle. Remember what she hurt in the previous episode. Uh-huh. But Jenny is pretty rough with it. She flexes it, and you know Susan cries, "Ow!" But Jenny determines that there are no broken bones. That's good. Yeah. She says that she'll go get a bandage for it. And she shows Barbara, like, where to get started working on the food. And she tells Barbara to put her and Susan's names on the work detail list. Mm, Even though Susan's, like, injured and can barely walk. Right. Yeah, Barbara says... Like, sit in the peeled potatoes or something. Basically, yeah. Yeah, Barbara says that Susan can't work until her ankle's better. But Jenny's like... She can do something with her hands sitting at a table, can't she? Uh-huh. Well, when you're uh, you're in the basically post-apocalyptic resistance, I think you got to use all your your people, all your resources. Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, Jenny's a... A little bit of an asshole about it, but but she's actually right. Yeah, I mean, she could probably be a little more sympathetic, but she, I don't think at this point they, they know that um, Barbara and Susan aren't from basically this world. Yeah, that's probably so true. it's like, man, yeah, if they did, I'd, I'd be like, take it easy on these guys. Come on, they're <laughs> absorbing a lot right now. Yeah. Dortman and Tyler head to the back room to have a discussion. Dortman wants to attack the Daleks, but Tyler says they don't have enough people. What are you talking about, Ample? A handful of unarmed men against Daleks? Dortmund's like, Sometimes I wonder about you, Tyler. Ouch. <laughs> Tyler says, Don't ask the impossible. You've not been out there for ages. Mm-hmm. Dortmund seems to take offense at this. He says, Yes, all right, I know I'm in this wheelchair, so I can't go myself. But Tyler's like, dude, chill. You know I didn't mean it like that. Okay. Dortman heads over to his storage shelves and pulls out a bomb to show Tyler. Nice. You know, he's been, like, trying to work on these bombs for the Daleks. And Tyler's like, you know, cool, cool, looks good. But have you had a chance to, like, test it out? Hmm. And Dortmund's just like, fuck that. I made it with science. Of course it'll work. (laughs) I rolled really high. (laughs) David arrives at this point. He's got apples for everybody. And he reports that he saw Ian and the doctor get taken away, but there's nothing he could do about it to stop it or whatever. But he does have apples. That's true. <laughs> Stopped <laughs> like, by the grocery store on the way home. Your friends got taken away by these like murderous aliens, but hey, I got some good news too. <laughs> Do you want the good news or the bad news first? <laughs> yep. <laughs> they ask him like where they were taken, and he says, From the direction they went, I think the Daleks have taken them to the saucer they've landed at the heliport Chelsea. Nice. Yeah, because we saw a flying saucer earlier. Right. We cut to the saucer, 
where Ian is very confused about what's going on. He's like, didn't we completely eradicate all Daleks forevermore by unplugging their battery back in season one? A valid question. Uh Uh-huh. And the doctor says, My dear boy, what happened in Skaru was a million years ahead of us in the future. What we're seeing now is about the middle history of the Daleks. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. We had to to do something and... uh, (laughs) Some time shenanigans seems like the best way to pull it off. I mean, there was never any indication that the Daleks had ever made it off-world because um, it seems like they were from Scarrow and they right. got destroyed on Scarrow. But sure, at some point along the way, they conquered Earth. <laughs> yeah, it makes total sense. Ian also points out that they look a little bit different now. Yeah, they got better better budget. Right. So I actually went and did a little bit of research about specifically what changed. And I found this whole page on Wikipedia about Dalek variants, which includes a glossary of Dalek parts. Nice. So I can use like actual terminology to describe how they're different. <laughs> the main difference, of course, is that they have a bigger fender on the bottom and three tires inside of the fender rather than the simple casters that they had in season one. And this of course allows them to move on rougher terrain. Whereas back in the season one, they were confined to the metal floors of their city that they also, you know, received power through, through the static electricity. So the Daleks millions of years in the future actually had a worse method of locomotion than the Daleks of the past. Right. Well, maybe um, their budget got slashed. Yeah, their technology just degraded over time. They lost access to to wheel technology, or to tire technology. Uh Uh-huh. The other difference is that they also have these parabolic saucers attached to the back of their shoulder areas, which are sort of implied to be the receivers of a broadcast power source. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool technology. I liked that. Like wireless electricity? Right. Yeah, it's it's not like explicitly stated in the dialogue, but that's implied. Very cool. I approve. We also see that one of the Daleks has a black dome and its skirt panels alternate silver and black, whereas all the rest of the Daleks are just all silver. Is that the Dalek equivalent of having a sash? Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be the the sashed Dalek. Nice. So as Ian and the Doctor and a couple of prisoners are herded toward the saucer... One of the prisoners starts to run away, but then a Dalek like rolls into his path and instead of like running around it, he just stops and then he like turns around and runs in the other direction. But like same thing happens, a Dalek rolls in his path and he stops again and then he's surrounded basically. Well, the Daleks aren't maybe the most mobile of opponents. But um, 
you do feel kind of silly running <laughs> around them when they're right there in front of you. Uh-huh. So the black Dalek tells the other Daleks to kill this prisoner, and he gets film negativized. Yeah, I was wondering why they were bothering with, like, rolling in front of the dude instead of just, like, zap, zap, but... Yeah, I guess, I, uh, they got there in the end. Yeah, and I guess they they had to wait for the orders from the Black Dalek. Apparently, so the Black Dalek says, "Any further resistance will be dealt with in the same way." And the rest of the prisoners get herded up the ramp into the saucer. But but how is that? How will it be dealt with, Mister Dalek, sir? <laughs> uh, you know. Um, mixed Dalek. I guess we don't know what gender the Daleks use. Yeah, I think I've been using it for their pronouns, it there. Mm. But yeah, it it does not further clarify, unfortunately. (laughs) I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep waiting. Back at the base, David tells Susan that he doesn't think they should tell Barbara about Ian and the Doctor having been taken by the Daleks. He says that they're going to be launching an attack on the saucer, so if the attack is successful, they'll be rescued, and if the attack isn't successful... Well, then they've just disappeared. (laughs) Oh, man. Cold. Yeah, seriously. Jenny shows up, with a couple of Robomen head neck braces, and she's like, I wanted to see these. David doesn't take them from her in like that exact moment, so she says, Well, here you are, then take them. I've got better things to do. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're paying for a film you know, <laughs> by the foot here. Uh huh. BBC doesn't have an unlimited budget. <laughs> He's like, Oh, you're a model of charm and patience, aren't you? And she says, Well, I don't believe in wasting time. I don't believe in sentiment either. All right. She, she's she got this whole post-apocalypse thing um, figured out. Yeah, I'm actually kind of, kind of into her. She seems to know what she's doing. Well, uh, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye out for uh, some ship opportunities then, huh? Indeed. So Barbara starts asking about the head neck braces, and that actually unlocks the Robomen exposition dialogue nodes from nice. the fellow resistance people. Cool. We learn that this is actually probably where they get named, but we learn that the Daleks take humans and turn them into robots in a process that the Daleks call a transfer. This this allows them to control these humans for a while as Robomen until they eventually go insane and do things like smash their heads against walls or jump into rivers. Wow, that's dark. Yeah. Barbara's like, Daleks, everything they touch turns into a horrible sort of nightmare. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if Terry Nation got the memo that this is a fun children's show. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. 
He he may have not read that one very closely. <laughs> or maybe he just had a very strange childhood and he was like, oh, this is normal for kids, right? Uh-huh. Jenny mentions that it's on the saucers that these transfer operations are carried out. Once they've got you on board a saucer, there isn't a hope. Mm. Susan gets this horrified look on her face, but she stays quiet. Of course, you know, she knows that Ian and the doctor are on this are on the saucer, but they've not told Barbara. And Susan isn't gonna tell Barbara? No, I guess she is apparently doing what David told her to do, instead of thinking for herself like she usually does. <laughs> okay. Survivors of London, the Daleks are the masters of Earth. Surrender now and you will live. Those wishing to surrender must leave a five-star review on iTunes and email thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet at doctorwatcher and obey orders received. Message ends. On the saucer, the prisoners all get herded into cells. The doctor, like, tries to wander off, but he bungles his stealth check and gets forced back into line. Yeah, that's that's not his strong suit. Yeah. The black Dalek is watching all of this on a monitor from another room, and it asks another Dalek if... This is the one that it was talking about. And this other Dalek is like, Yes, that's totally him. He was the one saying that all Daleks are bastards. Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> and the black Dalek is like, His words betrayed greater intelligence than normal inhuman beings. And then this other Dalek says that they should give him the test. Nice. Ominous. That's where that scene is left off. We don't get to learn what the test is yet. Good. I like the suspense. Ian and the doctor get put into a cell with a dude named... Credit. Jack Credit. Oh, he sounds like a person of action. Yeah, he does indeed. He gives them some more backstory, and we also cut over to Susan, who's getting kind of the same backstory from David. When when Ian asks for the backstory, Craddock is like, You've been on a moon station or something? And cool. yeah, Ian and the Doctor are both like, yeah, yeah, totally, that's it. <laughs> Turns out, about ten years ago, the Earth got bombarded with meteorites. And after that died down, people began to die off of a new plague. Mm, they should have worn their masks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it turns out the meteorites were Dalek germ bombs. Cool, cool. So this plague wiped out huge amounts of people. Used to say the Earth had a smell of death about it. Uh, again, Terry Nation, uh, <laughs> kind of going hard on this one. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, this apparently lasted for several months, and like literally entire continents of people died out. 
And Cheerful. <laughs> after several months of this, the saucers landed, and anyone who resisted was destroyed. Just destroyed, though, huh? Yep, just destroyed. All right. And now, Craddock says, They are the masters of Earth. <laughs> yes, that, that we know already. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, they, they established that pretty firmly. <laughs> it was cool, though. Like During this whole exposition backstory dialogue scene, we actually get some cutscenes that like show this all taking place. And one of these cutscenes, you know, shows the Robomen taking people into the saucers and somebody tries to get away, but a Roboman kind of like hand chops her in the neck and she falls to the ground and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that we had the budget for that. It was it was filmed on the same saucer set that that is like the saucer. I mean, you but, still have to like, <laughs> hire extras and yeah, that's film. true. Uh, they got you know probably fifteen extras, or I would imagine having someone you know describe something is always <laughs> uh huh. Ian's not fully satisfied with this backstory, though. But why, Craddock? That's the one thing you haven't told us. What is it that the Daleks want on Earth? Ah, uh, here, here it comes. Craddock doesn't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he does know that they've turned the whole area of Bedfordshire into a huge mining operation. So it must be like something underground that they're after. Maybe they just want that sweet, sweet molybdenum. <laughs> Earth's most abundant resource. Yes. The Daleks are putting out another radio broadcast promising food, water, and life to anyone who surrenders themselves. But in the resistance space, they all scoff at it. Nice. Yeah. I, yeah. I like, I like the whole propaganda broadcast thing. That's, that's nice and creepy. Yeah, totally. Dorman says that he and Tyler have decided that they should make a frontal assault on the Daleks at the saucer. Now that they have the bomb. Dortmund thinks this could be great for morale. One success will give our people hope again. One victory will set this country, the whole of Europe, alight. That's all we need. One victory. Uh, I, I like the optimism. Mm-hmm. A couple of resistance folks point out that the saucer area is surrounded by buildings and the Daleks will will be able to shoot them long before they're close enough to throw the bomb. Mm. But Barbara comes up with the idea of having some people wear the robo head neck brace as a disguise. She's like, haven't you seen Star Wars? It'll be like Luke and Han escorting Chewie. And Tyler's like, oh, yes, the ancient classic Star Wars. It'll work. Nice. Um, they, they are time travelers. I mean, some of you may be like, wait, wasn't this filmed in the 60s? But no, like we've established, it takes place in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the doctor's got like a, a wide media library on the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And when they brought out those head neck braces, I, I just kind of assumed that that would be the reason for them. But it sounds like that was actually Barbara's idea. Yeah, I think earlier when Jenny brought them out, it was just to study them or something. Just like, I'm, but I, I'm not anyone want sure. these head neck braces? I'll just throw <laughs> them out if nobody wants them. Uh huh. No, it's it's like an XCOM after you've raided the UFO and. Like most of the equipment you sell off, but like some of it you keep for your scientists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get all the broken consoles and stuff because you use too many explosives. Right. <laughs> In the cell on the saucer, everyone rolls investigation checks. Craddock finds a magnifying glass, and cool. Ian and the doctor find this transparent box with a metal block inside of it. Mm, interesting. Uh-huh. It's got these like holes at the top too. The doctor also finds this other piece of metal, which he holds near the box. And that causes the metal inside of the box to slide back and forth, showing us that it's magnetized. Cool. Craddock's like, that profound discovery, mister. <laughs> doesn't help us. Yet. <laughs> it's in my inventory now, though. Uh-huh. And you can bet I'm going to be clicking on it and then clicking on every interactable object I see from here on out until <laughs> I figure out what it's for. Craddock says that the Daleks don't just leave useful shit sitting around in the cells. And the doctor's like, clearly you've never played a point-and-click adventure game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He says, My dear boy, if they had to deal with a man of your talents, they'd be hardly fear, need they? Oh, shit. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. He, he tells him to, like, go sit down and rest. <laughs> and that he and Ian are people of action, and they're forming an action plan. Excellent. I approve. The doctor says, now, X equals gamma, now, uh, that means roughly 2.5%. So that should give us a curve of round about 80 degrees. Did, oh, by the way, did you take three-dimensional graph geometry at your school? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. Uh-huh. Ian says... Into, uh, into science and mathematics of uh, <laughs> uh, Gallifrey, maybe. Uh-huh. Ian says that he didn't, only Boyle's Law. And the doctor's like, What a pity, what a pity. So we shall have to boil this down now, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, the doctor made a pun. (laughs) Uh Everyone takes 1d4 psychic damage from the dad joke. (laughs) Nice, worth it. The doctor takes the magnifying glass from, from Craddock and uses it to focus light into the different little holes in the transparent box, Hmm. which somehow releases the metal block inside of it, which slides out of the box, attracted by the magnet block that Ian's holding at the end of the box. Nice. Makes me think of that uh, excellent mobile game, The Room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I highly recommend. It's only a couple bucks, but it's really, really good. I think there is a sequel, too. I'm not sure if I actually played it or not, though. Yeah, I think there's a couple of sequels. But, yeah, definitely a fun game. I've, I've played 
at least two room games that I can remember, and yeah, they, they are excellent. So somehow the doctor has determined that this is a key, and he, Ian, and Craddock use the magnet blocks to somehow manipulate the door opening mechanism to open the cell door and start to escape. Excellent. But uh, yeah, we, we don't we don't want to know we don't need to know how. Um, <laughs> it's clearly you clicked on the thing and then it when you hovered out it over the door, the door lit up and you clicked and it worked. Yep. Yeah, clicking on the block, the first block with the magnifier and the box added the second block to their inventory and then they could click the second block onto the door. Yep. But, uh, you know, as soon as the doctor walks out of the cell, he is immediately grabbed by Daleks and the door closes again and the Daleks take the doctor away. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, maybe we missed something <laughs> along the way. And, uh, but no, at the same time, um, it occurs to me that there are, are games like that, that where like when you solve the puzzle, then it's like, well, I, uh, just got captured again anyway, but you know, it moves the story forward. Right. So the game progresses. Yeah. It actually turns out that this was an escape test, which the doctor passed. It was, uh, yeah, it was the test that they mentioned the earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So having passed the test, they are now taking him to be robotized. Oh, I see. Uh, that's, that's the prize at the end. <laughs> David, Susan, and Barbara are all hiding near the saucer. This is like the attack that's going to be launched. You know, the attack's not just the three of them, obviously, but they're part of the attack that's going to be launched. And they each have a bomb. And Yeah, I was wondering if they just had like one single solitary bomb or, or multiple. No, he made a few, apparently. Nice. So yeah, they each have a bomb. The plan is to attack as soon as Tyler and his group arrive. Okay. Meanwhile, inside the saucer, the doctor's jacket gets removed and he's forced down onto a table. Then like back outside, the rest of the resistance fighters arrive. This, you know, this is David's group and a few of these resistance fighters are disguised as a Roboman, as you know, as planned. They're doing the Star Wars thing. Nice. And the Dalek, who's standing guard outside the saucer, first tells them to take the prisoners on in, but then it stops them and it asks where the prisoners were from. And one of the fake Robomen is like Sector Four. And the Dalek is like, Bullshit. Dog Patrol has been ordered in Sector 4. Did I say 4? I meant 5. <laughs> uh-huh. But, but as the fake Roboman is clarifying, he meant Sector 5. Uh, David, Susan, and Barbara take this opportunity to throw their bombs. Yeah, I uh, feel like otherwise the opportunity was <laughs> getting away from them. Uh-huh. Of course, these are the science bombs that Dortmund made, and they are supposed to melt 
through the Daleks' outer casings, but they don't. <laughs> uh, we are so sure that you uh-huh. rolled high, but um, <laughs> sometimes the DM just makes those hidden rolls and gives you a, a, a look like maybe you made it and <laughs> you interpret what the DM said, but... Mm. You will find out later. Yes. Yeah, basically all the bombs really do is just kind of sizzle and smoke a bit. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you get a critical failure on that science roll, then the DM's like, yes, you are 100% convinced that you did a great job. <laughs> and you're like, uh, okay. Uh huh. Guess I'll just role play that. <laughs> Barbara, Susan, and David all duck and hide behind their cover as we hear the sounds of Dalek weaponry and we see the scene go negative a few times as various resistance fighters get killed with the film negativizer gun. At least a few of the resistance fighters do make it inside the saucer though. Nice. And they start to look around while a Dalek voice on the intercom in the saucer announces that they're under attack. And the Dalek who is supervising the doctor's robotization transfer process tells its Roboman assistant to just ignore that and to carry on with the procedure. Nice. So these large overhead medical devices start to lower from the ceiling toward the doctor as the title's next episode day of reckoning appear on screen. Yeah, while there is a part of me that's like, oh, this is a kid's show, this is getting pretty dark and, and scary, there's another part of me that's like, man, this is this is classic sci-fi stuff, the whole, like, you know, getting turned into some sort of a scary robot drone, or, you know, cyborg, I guess, drone, mm-hmm. but, yeah, and then the, the you know, invasion of, of Earth, and then these guys are now the masters of our world and and yeah it's it's good stuff kyle this is this is yeah this is this is classic and i i love the idea of you know the doctor and his companions jumping into the situation where they're not trying to prevent the dalek invasion of earth because like that's already happened that was in the past we're just like already in full dalek occupation of earth Mm. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, kid show or not, I'm I definitely think that this is a a, a pretty gripping serial so far. Um, yeah, I think the the one the one danger that we have is that there are several members of the resistance, and I have to sort of keep them all uh, straight in my mind. But um, honestly, there's another part of me that's like, eh, maybe I don't even. Need to try that hard. Kyle will explain <laughs> it to me, and it'll all be good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, David and Tyler are a bit 
are a bit interchangeable. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny is, you know, pretty easy to keep straight. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. You know, in uh, maybe typical 60s TV show fashion, she, she seems to be the girl on the, uh, the resistance. Pretty much, yeah. And, yeah, I guess Dortmund is is the leader and you know his his 60s character sheet would list the fact that he's in a wheelchair as a defining characteristic i'm trying not to like make that defining for for our take on him but yeah 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 but that's how they would have taken it mm-hmm, for sure i understand what you're saying um and i agree with that assessment um and uh, speaking of Jenny, I was thinking, you know, we were saying earlier that since we like her, we need to find her a, a good ship. Uh, one, I wanted to say, yes, obviously not everyone, that not every character that we like has to be in a relationship with someone, but we we like shipping, we enjoy it, and ain't no harm in, you know, imagining some, some fun ships along the way. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is that if we are going to ship uh, Jenny with someone, uh, I was wondering if we could find some way to ship her with Ian, just for the reason that the ship name could then be Jennyian, which I think sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I like <laughs> that. Those are my thoughts for the episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I definitely think that Jennyian is is a ship that we can hold in our hearts and and look for. <laughs> As the serial progresses, we'll be <laughs> looking for any excuse at this point. <laughs> but yeah, you know, any anyone that we can ship her with, I think, would be fine. Except for what are their names? David and and Taylor was Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've already decided we don't find them particularly interesting at all. So yeah, they don't, they don't get any ships. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I'm at on both of them. Or we'll just do the thing that fandom sometimes does is that we'll take two NPCs that we don't particularly care about and we'll be like, um, Tate, Tybid, <laughs> now. And, you know, we just got rid of both of them together. Uh-huh. <laughs> two birds with one ship. Yes, exactly. Um, well, okay. Uh, this was a pretty, pretty fun episode. Love, love me some Daleks. Um, curious to see what's coming up next. Indeed. Well, our listeners can tune in in two weeks to find out, and you, Benny, can tune in in about five minutes when we record the next episode. (laughs) Sorry, listeners. (laughs) Bye. Bye. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit 23 for the awesome theme song he made for us. You can hear it and the rest of his music at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. You can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. I would like to thank Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and I would like to thank all you listeners for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. You can reach us by email at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com and on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed the program, please tell all your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
rivers of London, the Daleks are the masters of Earth. Surrender now and you will live. Those wishing to surrender must stand in the middle of the streets and obey orders received. Message.